Hi everyone, Danny here. Forgive the audio quality. Um, I just wanted to introduce my former student, Chaim Katzman, who was murdered um, in the first portion of this conflict. Uh, the brother of Chaim has released a very powerful statement we wanted to play at um, American Prestige, so please listen. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, yes, yeah, so I want, what I wanted to say is the most important for me, and I think also for my brother, was that his death won't be used to kill innocent people. Um, and sadly, um, my government, our government, my government is using cynically the death of people to just kill. Like they promised us, it was going to bring, it's going to bring us um, like security. But of course, it's not security because they always tell us, oh, that if we're going to kill enough Palestinians. Or they're gonna, so it's gonna be better for us. But of course, it never brings us peace and it never brings us better lives. It just brings more and more terror and more and more uh, people killed, like my brother. And I don't want anything to happen to people in Gaza like it happens to my brother. And I'm sure he wouldn't have any uh, either. So that's my call to my government to stop killing innocent people. And that's not the way that brings us peace and uh, security to people in Israel. Hello, American Prestige listeners. It's Derek, and I am very grateful to be joined on relatively short notice by Siraj Asi, a Palestinian writer living in Washington, D.C. He has a Ph.D. in Arabic studies from Georgetown University. He has published uh, The History and Politics of the Bedouin. He also has a novel, my Life as an Alien, which was just published in September. Uh, he's written for several media outlets, including Jacobin and Haaretz. Uh, Siraj, thank you so much for coming on the program and particularly for doing it uh, on such short notice. Thank you for having me. I want to talk about the situation in Gaza, obviously. Um, I, I feel like, and we can maybe discuss this, I, I feel like everything's dominated right now by uh, the, the hospital explosion that took place on Tuesday. Um, the coverage has been dominated to, to some degree. Kind of, I, I feel like it's taking attention away from some bigger issues, but we can get into that. Why don't we start with the hospital, uh, the hospital massacre? Can can you t- talk about um, where things are uh, as far as you know around that story? What has happened? What is happening now? Uh, you know, just the basic. Just give people the basic details. Yeah, uh, Tuesday evening, uh, hundreds of. Palestinian civilians, wounded and displaced civilians were taking shelter at the Ahli Hospital in central Gaza in the Zaytun neighborhood, known as Al-Mamadani Hospital. Then, without warning, an Israeli airstrike hit the hospital, causing a massive blast, killing instantly some 500 uh, Palestinians, most of them children. Now, just hours before the bombing, Local media outlets in Gaza posted videos of displaced Palestinian children playing and singing in the grounds of the hospital. None of those children survived. It was Gaza's deadliest day on record, the latest chapter in Israel's mass atrocities against Palestinians. Now, the century-old hospital provided safe haven to women and children who were escaping Israel's bomb. And yet, they were bombed. And I have covered massacred 
in Gaza and elsewhere for years. And as a journalist, as a writer, as a historian, as an academic, as a Palestinian, as a human being, I have never seen anything like that. A sea of bodies, children, women, refugees, nurses, doctors, burned bodies, headless bodies in pieces, dismembered, disfigured, they strewn across the grounds of the hospital. Hundreds lay wounded in a vast pool of, of blood. And horrifying images of, there was one image of a horrified, wailing father holding the remains of his son in plastic bags. Another photo showed the father climbing on a roof to retrieve the remains of his tiny child. Now, and that was not the last or in, in, in the suffering of Palestinians in Gaza. Since the bombing, Israel has, has bombed a UN school in Gaza, killing civilians and children. It, today, it bombed a Gaza mosque in central Gaza, killing 30 Palestinians. It bombed a house in Deir al-Balah, killing over 10 family members. It bombed the bakery in the crowded Nusayrat refugee camp, where many displaced civilians were seeking refuge. 700 Palestinians have been killed in Israel over the past 24 hours. So far, Israel has killed some 3,500 Palestinians, more than 1,200 children, and wounded over 12,000 Palestinians and displaced over 1 million others. I'm also seeing reports of an Israeli plan to transfer Palestinians from Gaza to Sinai. Now, Israel has denied bombing the, the hospital, blaming it on Hamas, on a misfired uh, rocket by Hamas. But all evidence points to Israel, and the massacre has Israeli fingerprints all over. Siraj, I wonder, on, on that point, maybe as somebody who has covered atrocities in Gaza for some time, maybe um, you could put this the Israeli claims in a, in a bit of context uh, in terms of past instances where, let's, let's say, the IDF or Israeli officials have made claims like this, uh, you know, either knowingly uh, false and later walk back or uh, at the very least, mistaken and later walk back. Just the 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 credibility issue, I think, may may be important to talk about. Now, immediately after the bombing, Israeli officials boasted and took credit for the massacre. But when the death toll, you know, mounted, and after seeing the horrific loss of life, many of those posts were deleted. Now, Israel is notorious for denying its war crimes. Human rights organizations have long documented Israel's systemic lying about its wartime violations. Israel has falsely accused Hamas fighters of beheading 40 Israeli babies. It lied about the killing of Al Jazeera correspondent Shireen Abu Akli. Even Haaris describes Netanyahu as a pathological liar. Now, what I'm saying is, when Israel has been relentlessly bombing hospitals in Gaza, the burden of proof falls on Israel, not the Palestinians. And Israel has been threatening and targeting civilian uh, areas. It has ordered over 20 hospitals in Gaza to evacuate. It has bombed over 100 
uh, uh, health facilities in Gaza. It has bombed hospitals and damaged them beyond repair. And Israel, if you, if you follow Israeli claims and threats, I mean, the, 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 the bombing just confirms what Israel has been pledging to do in Gaza. And of course, now Israel is trying to shift all the energies from documenting its massacres in Gaza and its war crimes and its collective punishment of Palestinians to desperate and futile refutation of its uh, uh, claim that Hamas or uh, has uh, bombed the massacre. Uh, which is, which is, as I said, Israel has a history of 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 doing by diverting, uh, you know, international attention and energy to a few time attempts to refute and investigate. And 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 Israel is also, I mean, now it has a history of of, of calling to investigate itself, and we are not. Uh, it's hard to expect anything, you know, honest coming out from uh, uh, those investigations, as the past has shown. Let's talk about the bigger picture in which this incident took place, because I think, you know, even if you, you think there's still like some fog of war here or, or you know, something is uncertain, the, the larger picture, the, the brutal, incessant bombing of Gaza and the siege that has created a, a humanitarian catastrophe, I think, is the, the last thing I saw from uh, the U.N., that's that's unquestionably still going on. So can you talk about just overall the conditions inside Gaza in particular? Uh, you know, we have, there's some word now that the Israelis might let in a bit of humanitarian aid. I've seen that. Uh, and we can talk, you know, uh, about uh, the Biden visit in a moment. But let's focus right now on uh, where where the humanitarian situation is at, at present from, from, you know, what you've been able to, to find out. What? As we speak, I mean, Israel refuses to allow humanitarian aid to Gaza. It continues to deprive Palestinians, civilians, of food, energy, water, uh, uh, electricity, and medicine. Now, Israel has also bombed the Rafah crossing to block any humanitarian aid uh, to the besieged uh, strip. Now, Gaza is right now on the, on the verge of uh, mass starvation and the looming humanitarian calamity. It has run out of water after Israel cut the water supply. People are dehydrating to death. Now, people are drinking dirty water, and waterborne diseases are rampant in Gaza, especially among children. Now, Gaza is also experiencing a total blackout after Israel cut the electricity and fuel supply. The Gaza power plant has depleted its, uh, its reverse, uh, reserves. Hospitals are overwhelmed with the wounded most of whom children, traumatized children, children, uh, um, survivors who have lost their parents and siblings and relatives, uh, have no help. Gaza is, as I said, is also on the verge of communication uh, breakdown. Now, the U.S. has just today vetoed a new resolution to uh, for calling for a humanitarian uh, ceasefire. So what I'm saying is, this is a, a human-made calamity for, for which the children of Gaza are paying the highest price. It's clearly a collective punishment against Palestinians to starve Palestinians, to especially, I mean, civilians. And remember, seventy percent 
of people in Gaza are refugees who live in refugee camps. So these people live uh, under dire human uh, humanitarian conditions, which the UN, even before the, the current uh, attack, had described as unlivable. So th th that's the current humanitarian situation in nutshell right now. And uh, of course, we can talk about the broader context of the blockade that has been in place for two decades almost. Sure. I mean, I mean, maybe we should just offer a little bit. I know I, I think listeners are, are probably generally familiar with uh, the last, you know, 16 years and the blockade mm -hmm. that Gaza has been under. But maybe, uh, yeah, you could just say a little bit about how vulnerable this population was even before all of this started to, to deprivation and, and suffering. Yes. I mean, the blockade was uh, forced, uh, imposed on Gaza in uh, 2007 to punish uh, people in Gaza for electing Hamas in a democratic uh, election. Now, this blockade has been, as you said, in place for 16 years. Now, mainstream media here in the U.S. and elsewhere is viewing October 7 that he, is, is depicting the you know uh, or approaching the uh, the crisis as if history had started on October 7, following a Hamas horrific attack on uh, uh, inside Israel. But, uh, of course, it, history did not start on uh, October 7. It uh, goes back to even, I mean, okay, so there is a, a blockade in place for 16 years in which it, uh, do, uh, Israel controls Gaza by land, air, and sea. The UN con still considers Israel as an occupation force in Gaza despite the so-called disengagement and also, Gaza is described as the world's largest open-air prison, and it's also the world's largest refugee camp, with 2 million people, 2 million people and even more, live under dire conditions, mostly in refugee camps, squeezed in 140 square miles, with no way in or out. There is also a long history of, his, of decades of Israeli invasions, incursions, military uh, uh, attacks, and bombing campaigns, airstrikes, and massacres in Gaza. Now, Israel describes this military tactic in Gaza as mowing the grass. In fact, the former Israeli defense minister even boasted uh, uh, that Israel has or had bombed Gaza back to the Stone Age. So, there is a long history of violence, Israeli, unbridled Israeli violence against uh, Gaza. And also, uh, a like few people are aware that Gaza, as I said, is 70% of people in Gaza are refugees who were descendants of refugees who were expelled from their homes in 1948 when Israel was founded. Now, to go back to history, and to provide like a historical context, in 1948, at Israel's founding, about 750,000 Palestinians were expelled from their homes and became lifetime refugees. 250,000 of those uprooted, flooded to Gaza, tripling the population overnight and rendering Gaza, uh, as I said, the world's largest refugee camp. Now, these people came from Towns and villages in central and, nor and, and, and northern Palestine, as far as Galilee, uh, those who came from villages near Gaza had to endure the tragic spectacle of being displaced within sight of their lost homes and land. 
And also Israel has a history of targeting these refugees since 1948. Massacres, starting with Ariel Sharon, incursions into refugee camps in the 50s, and later Israel uh, occupation in, of Gaza in 1967, which lasted for uh, uh, decades until the so-called disengagement, which actually uh, made Gaza even more vulnerable to Israel's repeated uh, uh, military incursions and invasions. Now, even when Palestinians in Gaza embraced nonviolent and peaceful resistance, they were crushed, brutally crushed by Israel. This happened during the first Intifada, which broke out at the Jabalia refugee camp in 1987. Uh, it was a popular uprising by Palestinians, known as the Stone Intifada. It happened again during the second Intifada, when Israel shot dead uh, uh, 12 years old, Mohammed Dura and his father's lab. Now, 5,000 Palestinians were killed by Israel during the first and second Intifada. And it happened again during the March of Return, March of Return, in uh, 2018, when peaceful demonstrators marched to commemorate the anniversary of the Nakba. And Israel responded by killing 150 uh, Palestinians in six days. The UN described it as a as a war crime. So, what I'm saying that the violence that is unfolding right now in Gaza and before that in Israel is the culmination of decades of oppression and occupation. And these Palestinians who attacked uh, Israel's were these young men all grew up in the shade under the yoke of oppression and in under Israeli occupation. And these are people who lost any faith in nonviolent and peaceful resistance. So it was a desperate attack by people who had nothing to lose. I, I know we've been, you know, talking with you uh, and kind of waiting uh, to have this interview uh, until the the ground invasion that everybody's expecting to happen finally happened. And, and that has still has been delayed and delayed. And finally, after the hospital thing, I thought, you know, we, we just need to, to have a conversation now, but but can you, uh, since we're still, I think, expecting a ground invasion at some point, can, and you're familiar with Gaza, can you sort of give people a context for, for what it's going to mean when Israeli ground forces go into this place where you have, you know, two and a half million people, nearly two and a half million people crammed into a very small area, and now many of them under evacuation orders crammed into an even smaller area in the south? What, what's it, what is it going to be like uh, when Israeli forces go in? Now, Israel continues to amass uh, its soldiers along the Gaza border. It has ordered a record of uh, 300,000 reservists as it gears up for the ground invasion. But right now, and that's, of course, the irony of it, Israel still prefers bombarding Gaza from the air because it's more, it's, 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 it's more convenient targeting civilians. And in its attempt to smooth out the way for its ground invasion, Israel has all but flattened Gaza. In the meantime, Israel ordered one, over one million Gazans to uh, relocate in the north, to relocate to the south. When that happened, 
Israel bomb locations where it, where it had ordered people to move to. This includes uh, Deir al-Balah, Khan Yunis, Rafah, and it includes bombing a caravan uh, carrying 70 displaced Palestinians who fled uh, the north with the chilling procession. Now, many people have since returned to the north to die in their homes because there is no safe heaven for Israel. And now, Israel knows that a ground invasion is uncertain. And the world knows that a ground invasion will culminate in massacres uh, inside Gaza. But as long as the U.S. is sending, you know, its aircraft and its warships and munitions to Israel, Israel, it's easier for Israel to bombard Gaza from the air as a, as a, of course, uh, to continue its campaign of collective punishment again against Palestinians. Uh, and of course, of displacing Palestinians uh, uh, with uh, right now, as I said, I'm seeing even I'm seeing reports of uh, a mass transfer, a forced transfer of civilians uh, uh, outside Gaza to Sinai, which is which the UN has described also as a war crime. It is a mass displacement by design. So, just <clears throat> now, a ground invasion. I mean, is could be unlikely because, as I said, Israel has. Um, uh, Israel knows the risk of invading Gaza. Um, and also, um, but Israel is being pushed to that grand invasion by just uh, by right wing uh, 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 you know, factions inside Israel, uh, despite all the risks involved, not just to Israel, but also mostly to Palestinian civilians and, as I said, to the uh, uh, the, the thousands of refugees who live in uh, refugee camps and the, the uh, children who have nowhere to escape. The, 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 just the idea of ordering Palestinians to uh, relocate or to displace themselves is so absurd because with this siege in place, total siege that Israel has already imposed on Gaza, everyone knows that it's impossible. And everyone knows that within these conditions, under these conditions, an Israeli invasion would culminate in, in horrific massacres against civilians. Let's talk about the U.S. role in all of this. And uh, I know Joe Biden uh, arrived in Israel on Wednesday uh, to make the figurative U.S. embrace of, of Benjamin Netanyahu in Israel literal. I mean, he literally got off the plane and, and hugged him, which under the circumstances just is an amazing image for uh, the U.S. president. Um the the visit was supposed to have a component that would at least pay lip service to U.S. relationships with the Arab world with a, a summit in Jordan with a number of Arab leaders. That's been canceled. So now the only thing he's doing essentially in Israel is yeah. cheering on these, the Israeli invasion. Um, what do you uh, and, and as you brought up earlier, yeah. actually, and I was I was uh, you know going to mention as well, the U.S. coinciding with Biden's arrival vetoed a U.N. Security Council resolution that would have called for, even unenforceably, would have just called for a ceasefire, a humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza. That wasn't good enough. The U.S. vetoed it, uh, standing on its own, I should say, even without you know allies like France and the U.K., uh, stood on its own to veto that. 
what is your just overall impression of of what the United States is doing here? And if you can talk about what it the message that it broadcasts to people elsewhere in the Arab world or in the in the Middle East and in the the Muslim world, you know, just just what does that say? Uh, you know, what what is what does it say? I guess is my question. Yeah, for, for people in the, uh, for for the Arab world, for Palestinians, Muslims in the region, the U.S. is clearly complicit in Israel's war crimes. Even Haaris said that uh, Biden is filling the gap left by Netanyahu. Biden and U.S. Defense uh, uh, Secretary of Defense, U.S. Secretary of State are acting like a cab a war cabinet for Israel, providing diplomatic cover, vetoing ceasefires, sending, shipping uh, uh, warships and aircraft with 2,000 U.S. soldiers at the ready, ready to deploy. Now, Biden has also pledged another $100 billion in tax uh, 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 dollar aid for Israel. Israel has already received over $120 billion in military aid from the U.S. And US, the U.S., of, of course, provided Israel with its Iron uh, Dome's missiles target uh, rocket system. Uh, so the U.S. is not hiding its unconditional support for Israel, whether uh, at the level of rhetoric and discourse or at the level of uh, uh, immediate uh, you know, uh, uh, military uh, support. Um, now, as, and as you said, Israel has blocked every humanitarian ceasefire boat at the UN, uh, and the opportunity, the chance to uh, save uh, innocent lives in Gaza. Um, now, every American should ask this question, where does this US aid go? Clearly, not just to bomb Gaza and kill civilians in Gaza, but also to uh, finance Israel's occupation and apartheid system uh, in the West Bank. I mean, it's in this war and and collective punishment against Palestinian civilians. Um, <clears throat> and also, the, uh, if you look not just at Biden, at U.S. media coverage has been acting like a mouthpiece for uh, uh, Israel. Uh, Palestinian uh, voices are almost completely silenced in the U.S., especially, I'm talking, uh, especially in the uh, mainstream media. Um, we, we see it's, it's the same, basically, discourse than from the Bush era about Islamic terrorism being applied to Palestinians, to uh, uh, even, uh, you see, U.S. Uh, politicians calling Palestinians of Gaza civilians, a legitimate target, terrorists, and repeating Israel's, uh, like, bold-faced lies about uh, 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 Palestinians in Gaza as using human shields, using children as human shields, this uh, uh, time-honored uh, Israeli uh, uh, rhetoric against Palestinians to justify its war crimes in Gaza. Now, the U.S. should not be complicit in Israel's atrocities uh, in Gaza. And uh, as, you, uh, as you said, uh, under pressure, uh, Mahmoud Abbas, both Mahmoud Abbas and King Abdullah of Georgia canceled their meeting with Biden, and there was also a meeting with Biden and Sisi, Abbas, and King Abdullah that was canceled. So basically, Biden will be just hugging Netanyahu all this time and taking uh, uh, pictures with the Israeli politicians and visiting 
uh, Israeli victims. And he, Netanyahu has, has not even offered Palestinians the, the, the hypocrisy of pretense uh, uh, or uh, to, uh, toward Palestinian uh, human rights. Uh, he's, he failed to call for a ceasefire, as you said. Uh, so for, 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 for Palestinians, I mean, the U.S. is no longer, the U.S. is on, not just on the, uh, on Israel's side, the U.S. is actually fueling a conflict, perpetuating the conflict. And Israel is acting so aggressively against Palestinians with, 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 because it has a green light from uh, the U.S. to do whatever it pleases in Gaza. I, I want to be um, I want to be cognizant of your time, so I'm gonna I, I want to let you go here. But um, I do have one final question. As somebody who has written on, um, you know, being a, a Muslim in the U.S., who, who you know, a Muslim who came from the the Middle East and is, you know is in the West now, living in Western society, and what that feels like. Um, can you talk a little bit about what the climate has been like over the past? Uh, you know, 12 days now, I guess it's been uh, just generally, I mean, you know, obviously the, the media, you sort of alluded to that. That's, that's one piece of this, but just sort of in general, did, what it feels like in, in comparison with, let's say the immediate aftermath of, of September 11, 2001, or, you know, in other, uh, other, other uh, instances. Yeah. I mean, the U S media has failed Palestinians again. And if both, the media discourse and the anti-Palestinian rhetoric in the U.S. are fueling fear-mongering among against Palestinian Americans and uh, against uh, yeah uh, Palestinian Americans and Muslims in the U.S., which brings to mind the post 9/11 climate. Uh, now there have been also a, a crime, uh, hate crimes, including the shocking murder of a six-year-old uh, boy, Muslim boy, uh, in Chicago. And there is a rampant like culture of, of McCarthyism against Palestinians and pro-Palestinian activists and Palestinian academics, uh, both on campuses. And, uh, you know, even before the current violence uh, started, some 35 uh, U.S. states uh, had passed laws and executive orders criminalizing boycotts of Israel, which is... A which is a, a non-violent act, uh, 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 which the U.S. has a tradition of of, of boycotts of of, of uh, and the irony also is that in the U.S. you can boycott uh, American products but not uh, Israeli products, uh, and these laws, uh, many of these laws have been passed with bipartisan support. Criminalizing and with even uh, uh, hefty fees and uh, jail time. Now, suppressing our Palestinian voices in the U.S., as I said, did not start in the past uh, during over the past twelve days. It it has been uh, going on for years, um, and but right now, what's going is more uh, the U.S. or or the climate is uh, is is going toward, um, uh, as I said, fear mongering, uh, terror or terrorizing Palestinian voices into uh, silence, and also targeting 
let's say academics, even tenure professors have been uh, under attack, writers, journalists. Um, so this is not a climate, a healthy climate for an immigrant like myself, Palestinian immigrant who self-exiled to the U.S. seeking you know, a new life and freedom, freedom of speech. And escaping this kind of, uh, you know, a hostile climate against uh, Palestinians. So uh, right now, I, I mean, I, I don't uh, personally, I don't feel any safer in the U.S. than I felt uh, in Israel. And the irony is, there are things you can say in Israel that you are not even allowed to say here in the U.S. because of this uh, fear mongering uh, climate against Palestinians. So uh, when I write, I, I, I feel as I say, safe and feel threatened. And I, uh, it's not easy to be a Palestinian in the U.S. today. And so, and it's going to get worse, I believe, with if this media demonization of Palestinians uh, continues. Siraj Asi, uh, thank you again so much for coming on the program and sharing your experience and sharing what you uh, know uh, as uh, about the situation in Gaza right now uh, we will uh, definitely have you back uh, as this unfolds to to talk some more uh, but thanks again for doing this thank you thank you